Again, I'm asking you a question. How would they, how would they I'm asking the you a question. Should the F-16 fighter plane blueprints be open sourced? AI risk Super Bowl, Connor versus Beth, highlights and post-game analysis. Is is not ought. So I agree with you that there are that our values are not some global, you know, coherent maxima of any growth utility function. And my answer to that question is, who the fuck cares? They're mine. I like them. I like happiness. I like puppies. I like people being happy, playing with their kids, and so on. And yes, this costs resources that I could be spending on maximizing my, my you know, economic growth function in the local supercluster. And my answer to that question is, I, why should I care? What is your opinion on leaded gasoline? Leaded gasoline? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, I think that um, it's it's good that it was banned. I mean, it was net negative, and I think that um, it induced a sort of selective pressure on the on the space of technologies that was for the better, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so but it was banned by the government, the, not by corporate to corporate interests or anything like this. Well. I mean, at some point, if you have a like, if you have enough data that people are suing each other for the same cause, right? Like you've caused uh, me brain damage by putting this chemical in your stuff, uh, then you can you can kind of crystallize that that sort of uh, uh, prior that like this 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 thing tends to happen into legislation. With with the lead, I mean, there was many studies like, hey, like this is really bad for humans. I mean, it took uh, decades. This is many decades. It, it took well. It is ruined holds like it caused and, massive damage to whole generations of people. Did you catch what Beth just said right there at the end? It is what it is. Decades of lead poisoning. Here's a theme that you're going to see. Beth doesn't care what happens to people. EAC is a movement of machines over people. That is their worldview. Can you imagine any technology that you think should be banned? Any technology to be banned, like in its entirety, or like certain in its entirety, of it. like just entirety, like where you think like the world would be better if we like made sure no one had this technology. Um. Welcome to For Humanity, an AI safety podcast, episode fifteen: AI Risk Super Bowl. Connor versus Beth. Highlights and post-game analysis. I'm John Sherman, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's have a little fun today. On February 2nd, two iconic leaders on opposite sides of the AI risk quagmire squared off in an incredible debate on the Machine Learning Street Talk podcast. Uh, and yeah, given the timing, I'm calling it the AI risk Super Bowl. Much like my beloved Dallas Cowboys last Super Bowl win, a horrifying 30 plus years ago, this was not a close contest. This was a blowout. At the end of the show, uh, we're going to enjoy a commercial that never aired in the Super Bowl, but should have something to look forward to. Um, but hats off again to the guys at Machine Talk Street Learning for putting this important debate together. There's a link in the description to their show. Definitely subscribe. This thing was absolutely epic. Three hours long, big setup videos, post-game interviews, really well done. Even from a video production perspective, it was really well done. But it does get very technical and run for three hours. So today, uh, we're going to have some setup, some condensed highlights, and then some analysis. Uh, for Humanity is the AI safety podcast for the general public. No tech background required. This podcast is solely about the threat of human extinction from artificial intelligence. Next week, we will have the wildest show we have ever had so far. Um, wow. More on that later. Uh, please hit like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment. Uh, tell a friend about this show. I need your help to get the word out about this show, and I deeply appreciate it. Um, and if you'd like, send me an email. Uh, tell me what's on your mind. I've gotten so many incredible emails um, from our viewers and listeners. Already have some really, really incredible relationships I'm forming with some people who care about these issues through this show. Please keep it coming. Um, some wild news this week. Sam Altman announcing that he is working to raise $7 trillion to start an AI chip manufacturing company. Um, that is just absolutely completely terrifying. It sounds like a really, really bad idea on so many levels, but we'll get to that in another show. For today, 
Uh, let that just serve as an underscoring backdrop for this show, this debate, this game. But this is not a game. AI risk, let's not forget, is deadly serious. The default setting remains that we are on course for human extinction, certainly in my lifetime. But entertainment sells, and we are not going to let AI risk steal our fun or steal our smiles, so let us enjoy the first ever AI risk Super Bowl. Okay, first, let's do a little background on our two conference champions. Conference champion of good, truth, and deceleration, we have AI safety hero Connor Leahy, CEO of Conjecture. Viewers of this show have come to know Connor a good bit uh, of the Mount Rushmore of AI safety on which he belongs. He is the fiery, pugnacious AI safety researcher uh, that I may love the most. I love his tone. He's pissed off. He should be. We all should be. Which leads me to the other conference champion, where we have the split personality of Twitter fake persona, Beth Jezos, and his real-life self, Guillaume Verdun. Guillaume has a PhD in physics and used to be a quantum computing engineer at Google. He is the founder and CEO at Xtropic, an AI company using quantum computing to make what we can only assume must be absolutely terrifying technology. In a very recent tweet, Beth was seeking job applicants at his company, seeking those who, quote, want to participate in the Manhattan Project of our age to shape the trajectory of AI well beyond the current paradigm, end quote. Oh, no, he goes on. There's one more little thing. He says, hardcore, hardcore people only, grifters need not apply. And that's where the quote ends. In 2022, he started an anonymous Twitter account called Beth Jezos, and he is the self-described leader of the EAC movement, or the Effective Acceleration Movement, the guys who say they want to move everything as fast as possible on all technology all the time. Growth is their only concern. On what's now called X, Beth leads a legion of followers. His views appear to be very influential among young tech workers and startup types. He is a cult hero. If you care about AI not killing all life on Earth, you will hate the Beth Jezos Twitter account. I think his cult is a suicide cult. But to be fair to Beth, as Connor has been introduced by me many times on this show very flatteringly, I will let a Beth fan do a little Beth intro. This is a clip from a video done by an EAC guy, uh, Christian Kyle, on YouTube. I'll put the full link in our description so you can see this full video. Um, here is a way too nice Beth intro. Beth Jezos is the firebrand founder of Effective Accelerationism, or EAC, a fast-growing, physics-worshipping brand of techno-optimism that has taken Silicon Valley by storm. Beth co-founded EAC in 2022, and by 2023, he had grown his new account to 50,000 followers, attracted Silicon Valley royalty like Gary Tan and Mark Andreessen to his cause, and was mentioned by the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Given that remarkably fast rise and the fact that EAC is literally a Twitter meme, you might be forgiven for thinking that Beth is all talk. But then you realize that Guillaume Verdun, the man behind the Beth account, has actually pioneered multiple subfields in quantum computing. And he worked at Google's secretive sandbox initiative alongside Google co-founder Sergey Brin. Is it possible that Beth talks the talk, but Guillaume actually walks the walk? Now, I'm lucky enough to run in the same hard tech circles as Guillaume. We've been in the same Twitter spaces. I called him while I was writing this piece. I talked to his co-founders and the people that he founded EAC with. And all of those people combined have one thing to say, which is that Guillaume is EAC. It's not a show, it's his life philosophy. So if you want to understand EAC and this movement that has taken Silicon Valley by storm, you should first understand Guillaume. Okay, rosy glasses off, Connor calls Beth's account pure evil, literally, and I agree. Um, there's a train going off the cliff, eight billion people are on it, and Beth and his minions aren't just cheering against the brakes, they're making rocket engines to strap onto the train to get it off the cliff faster. I agree Beth is evil. I also think there is no line between Guillaume and Beth. They are one in the same. 
Fortunately and excitingly, Beth slash Guillaume turns out to be just another keyboard tiger. He is far less interesting and impressive in person, as you will soon see. Okay, so with no further ado, our AI Risk Super Bowl to the debate. Connor took charge right from the jump. The moderator is very far removed in this debate, only comments a few times, only reframing things very, very uh, rarely and lightly. Connor takes the driver's seat and never really gives it up for all three hours. Can you imagine any technology that you think should be banned? Any technology to be banned like in its entirety or like certain in its entirety, of it? Like just entirety, like where you think like the world would be better if we like made sure no one had this technology. Um, has any technology ever been successfully banned? Ever? That's a different question. I'm not saying whether it's enforceable. I'm asking whether, like, if it could be, like, do you, would you find this? Dis- I just don't think it's think- enforceable, right? Like, you- uh, that's fair. But if you could enforce it, do you? Would you think that there would be such things? The way we, you know, we use all these abstract theories in, in EAC. Really, I'm just a, you know, high lo- high dimensional optimization scientist. Uh, I worked in quantum machine learning. Now doing thermodynamic AI. Okay. Okay. Wait. Wait. So we're just out of the gate, and Beth is already on his heels evading the question with a techno word salad. Um, So Beth has a pretty wild set of beliefs that he elaborates on in another three-hour podcast with Lex Friedman uh, a few weeks ago. Beth, in that podcast, revealed things like he thinks companies are AGI systems already, organisms, existing superintelligences with the power of many human intelligences in one he thinks they will control or defeat the actual AGI, the company, because it has a lot of people. Beth thinks that nature is essentially capitalism, free markets rule all, and that the laws of thermodynamics define what it is to be a human. He thinks the purpose of humanity is the same as the purpose of fire, to find unused energy and burn it. He thinks regulation is bad and that he and his peers got all this under control, nothing to worry about, nothing to see here, bro. Let the market regulate itself uh, and, uh, you know, keep your hands off. And by market regulating itself, I mean, you know, if if I'm a company and I deploy a technology that is net negative reward, to my peers, we have a sort of peer-to-peer formalization of sort of violence between corporations and meta-organisms like lawsuits, right? And it's, it's, it's basically uh, uh, legal lawfare, legal warfare, uh, and, and you cause economic damage to the other organism if it induces negative reward on, on the other ones, right? And so, so that's kind of a, that is a sort of restorative force towards so, not so doing terrible things, saying- right? To, to so I'm, if I understand yeah. correctly, you perceive lawsuits as part of the market, because lawsuits are, from my perspective, regulation. Um, well, regulation sets the the prior of how uh, legal dispute will be resolved, but and you which know, there, things are even legal disputes to begin with, like and also the enforcement. Like the reason lawsuits have teeth is that if you violate what the court says, they send police after you. Yeah. So, so, so the point, well, eventually, uh, right. Like if you can't peer to peer enforce, uh, a certain, certain behavior, right. Which I think enforce, do you mean mercenaries? Like, what would that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I'm just very, um, well, yeah. Uh, you will see as this debate goes along that Beth shocking for someone with that name is not really a serious person. He tries to use big words and technical jargon as a shield, and it just doesn't work. Even when he has a decent point to make, he uses so much techno jargon uh, filler that he gets in his own way trying to make all of his points. Here he is trying to make a good point um, about governments and that they could use advanced AI to consolidate power. Totally reasonable point, fair enough, but that's a problem only if we survive advanced AGI. And his solution is always just, trust me, trust my bros, trust the market. 
nothing to worry about. I, I think we're in a weird period now where there is the window of opportunity for there to be a sort of AI assisted tyranny to be installed. And to me, that's one of the core existential risks to progress. I don't know if it's fully existential, but it's definitely going to slow down progress for a while if we have a sort of big brother style mm -hmm. uh, authoritarian panopticon. Like, I, I think in, in the present days, there is a danger that you have a monopolization and a centralization of AI that's that coalesces with government and there's a control of information flow. There's a control of uh, of the truth what or what we see as the truth. And then that does break uh, democracy, right? Because democracy is an assumption that everyone is informed to some extent, can make their own judgment. They're supposedly uncorrelated variables, which of course in the era of algorithmic amplification of information propagation, they're not. Let's say they're uncorrelated variables and you take a sort of uh, average vote, then, then you have a good sort of decision mechanism. I think with sort of algorithmic uh, manipulation, especially with AI, I think we're going to have a lot of trouble with that. And so I'm also concerned that there will be attempts to um, feign a sort of democratic vote towards uh, AI safety and, and giving sort of, uh, you know, a monopoly on this intellectual, artificial intellectual power uh, to, to the centralized uh, organizations. Um, you know, th this sort of democratic vote will be manufactured consent. Manufactured consent. That's what he's calling it. There are no real AI laws or regulations, but Beth is trying to get out ahead of them, saying any AI safety regulations that come in the future are the product of manufactured consent. They're fake news. So who do we want to control this power? Beffrey and his tech bro buddies? or the elected governments and militaries of the world. Both options have issues, but this is not a close call. Now watch as Beff works to undermine and blunt the term existential itself. He tries to make it something else, bad, an AI tyranny, but a world where there is life on Earth. Beffrey, that is not what existential means. Words matter. We, we just really want people to factor in that um, historically giving a monopoly on violence or giving a monopoly on, on power to centralized entities that eventually every uh, subsystem in our civilization serves its own interests, including government, uh, that can yield really bad outcomes. And we have a better data driven prior of this happening than, let's say, some sort of artificial superintelligence taking over, which... TBD, if that can exist, and what that looks like. Um, and so um, to us, that's like the sort of existential risk that um, we want to, 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 to minimize is kind of the erosion of our freedoms that seems progressive at first. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're in a really bad spot and we're in a sort of um, top-down enforced dark age where, you know, freedom of compute is non-existent, freedom of access to AI and freedom of access to information is no longer a thing. Okay, I mean, that's all bad, uh, agreed, but for what it's worth, aren't Microsoft, Google, and Meta pretty centralized and top-down? Or let's just say, I don't know, there was a $7 trillion AI chip company? That's pretty centralized control, wouldn't you say, Beth? Connor, please help us. This next clip is important. A theme is going to start to emerge. I have a, I have a question. What is your opinion on leaded gasoline? Leaded gasoline. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's it's good that it was banned. I mean, it was net negative, and I think that um, it induced a sort of selective pressure on the on the space of technologies that was for the better, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so but it was banned by the government, the, not by corporate to corporate interests or anything like this. Well. I mean, at some point, if you have a like, if you have enough data that people are suing each other for the same cause, right? Like you've caused uh, me brain damage by putting this chemical in your stuff, uh, then you can you can kind of crystallize that that sort of uh, uh, prior that like this 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 thing tends to happen into legislation. I I think that if you're trying to draw an analogy with AI right now, I think the landscape is moving 
so fast that um, we don't have enough uh, data of how things go wrong. And we don't even know where models and compute are going, that it's far mm -hmm. too early to settle things and set things in stone. And again, mm -hmm. I would be less aggressive on pushing back if there was a precedent of like sunsetting uh, regulations, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't tend to happen in our current system. Um, um, and so for me, it's like, let's be very careful to like have these one-way decisions where we close the door on a whole spectrum of, of certain technologies. Let's say we have compute caps and whatnot. Uh, uh, like we, we should be really, really thoughtful. And it's, I'm, I'm just very skeptical that, uh, our models of how this thing uh, will evolve the progress in AI are are necessarily uh, accurate. Whereas, like with with the lead, I mean, there was many studies like, hey, like this is really bad for humans. I mean, it took uh, decades. This is many decades. It, it took well, it is ruined holes. Right? Like it caused and, but, massive damage to whole generations of people. Did you catch what Beth just said right there at the end? It is what it is. Decades of lead poisoning. Here's a theme that you're going to see. Beth does not care about people. He doesn't give a fuck about people getting hurt. He cares more about his ideas than he does about people. The next clip is a bit longer and gets a little more technical, but here's what I want you to take away. Connor is methodically stripping away at the veneer of EAC, showing that even their leader, Befri Jezos doesn't believe that we should race as fast as possible to all new technology no matter what. That is their stated philosophy at EAC, and as proven here, it is total bullshit. So I'd like to go a little bit into some of my models here. So you talked about how, sure. for example, is that like we just don't have data about how things go wrong, and this is reasonable. And I wouldn't dispute this. Like, you know, do I know how AGI will end the world? I don't know, literally. I don't have studies about AGIs, you know, controlling two different planets, you know, and do different solar systems. One of them has AGI, one of them doesn't. I don't have studies like this. And my claim is you don't get studies like this. This is just not how things work. Like, you know, there is, there are certain, the world you describe where you can try things, you can you know, fuck up whole generations of people with poison in their head and then fix things afterwards, is an ergodic world. This is a world where you get to retry. It's a world where you can fail a couple of times, blow your hands off or whatever, but the next generation is gonna be fine. And my claim is, and I'd be interested if you disagree with this model, is, is that at some point you exit this world. The world is not ergodic, actually. It's actually very non-ergodic. You can die. You, there's technology that you personally cannot invent because in the process of inventing it, you kill yourself. Like, you know, a part of inventing nuclear technology required us to invent technology to not die while handling nuclear material. This was a very important part. Otherwise, you just can't develop it because you die. So when you're, I'm wondering if you agree with this, forget AI for a moment, that yeah. at some point, not saying it's AI, just at some point, we will develop technology that is so powerful that if you fuck it up, it blows up everybody. Do you agree with this? I mean, in principle, we could already do that if we build a big enough nuke right now, right? Like yeah. we could just blow up the earth, right? Yeah. Um, but have we done that? We yeah, but like uh, nuclear weapons, uh, right? Yes. This is a follow question. I was just interested if like you think this is possible. So I would agree that like, I think we're already in a non-ergodic world. There's already action chains accessible to humans that are non-recoverable. Like if we went down these action chains, we don't learn, we don't get to retry, it's just over. And so when you're dealing with a non-ergodic world where you don't, where there are traps, there are paths you can't recover from, you have to play different strategies. Well, you can't just try all the paths. If you just try all the paths in the limit, you die. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are there are paths, you know, where the 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 reward function is like negative infinity. It's you know full existential destruction. So at this stage, for example, what would be a state of the world? It's like big building one nuclear bomb that has enough you know power to like I don't know shatter the earth. It's probably difficult to do uh, right now with I, I don't know all the details. I'm not a nuclear specialist, but, but in a sense, like 
we know that and we don't build that technology because it doesn't have utility uh, to us because we're only interested in our relative positioning with one another because we have this sort of fractal competition uh, at all scales. So what people do is they make smaller nukes uh, that, you know, could damage their enemy, but not destroy themselves in the process. Even though, you know, there's the, the game theoretic equilibrium of mutually assured destruction. To be fair, I do think, I do think at least from the models I've seen of nuclear war, uh, I think like 10 or 20% of human population uh, survives. And on a long time scale, we would probably recover. Uh, so it's not actually fully existential uh, risk yet. Uh, but again, if we had a nuclear bomb above a certain threshold, uh, that was just sitting there, you know, with a big red button, uh, that would be bad. So, but okay, yeah, cool. if, if we're try if we're going to try to draw an analogy to the AI, I think we're still very far from that. Yeah, uh, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to make the analogy yeah. yet. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. I'm well, not making it yet. It's cooking. All right. So now imagine, um, you know, uh, let's say I, you know, drink a bunch of leaded gasoline and decide this whole AI safety thing is stupid. I'm going to go join my friend Guillaume and his startup and let's build some quantum hardware, right? I'm like, let's go. Not quantum. So, yeah, sure. Or, what, what, yeah. Sorry, I don't know the details of your actual stuff. Don't worry about but it. Like, yeah. let's, let's say it's quantum because it sounds cool. So, um, Thermo, sure. Yeah, yeah, thermo, quantum, whatever. But let's let's go with quantum for a sec. So let's say I join you. We work on some cool hardware chips, and we're doing some create. You're a physicist, so like you, you know, I'll mm -hmm. use some physicist stuff. And I know this is not exactly sure. correct, but indulge me. And okay, fair let's say while we're doing our experiments late at night in our secret laboratory, we go through the data, and suddenly we notice, oh shit, we're in a false vacuum. So oh. what this means is for the viewer, a false vacuum is a hypothetical. Uh, quantum event or a system where you, the vacuum energy is not zero. What this means is, is that if you could trigger what's called a vacuum collapse, you would basically destroy chemistry. It's just like there would be an irradiating shell outwards where all the physics, like all the stars stop, all life stops, everything. And this could happen very suddenly with a very small trigger, hypothetically. We, this is probably not true, but let's say in our hypothetical experiment it was true. And we find out that our hardware can trigger a vacuum collapse. Like we figured out how to do it with our hardware. And this hardware can be manufactured, say, with a, you know, in a semiconductor fab. If such a technology existed and you and me had it, what do you think we should do with it? I think that if uh, the vacuum was in a, so, so for, for reference, it's like the, you know, instead of being in the ground state uh, of, of you know the the quantum field. You would be in a in a little local minimum. And then there's a true ground state. And then, first of all, I would imagine that to to engender this this this, this jump, you'd need quite a bit of energy. A another thing is like, um, anyways, I won't. I, I don't believe in false vacuum. That that's a whole I don't either, discussion. To be clear. But just, I, I just yeah yeah yeah. But um, essentially, I think like if that were the case, that a tiny nudge would blow everything up. We would be in a highly unstable situation. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there is a certain, like even if you had, if you alerted, formed a world government and you alerted the authorities and this would be the most secretive secret on earth, it would have a certain coherence time, a certain shelf life. And basically we'd yeah. already be dead. Like, like on, I would mm -hmm. be surprised this is like, just like terminal mm -hmm. at that stage. I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's anything like that that's the case. Like, I sure. mean, some people thought a more realistic scenario is like, um, you know, if you theoretically crank up the LHC high enough energy, you might yeah, create a black yeah. hole. Uh, but if that usually black holes that are tiny, they, they radiate away through Hawking radiation. But but assuming you could have created a black hole that starts consuming everything like it would have been but it would have been problematic. Uh, anyways, we can have a whole technical discussion. Yeah, yeah, why yeah, of course. That, that's not the case. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. the, the only reason so, I bring this up is just kind of like um, maybe I'll get you in a bit of the mindset of like if you did believe that, like if you did see this happening, like you would reasonably come to the conclusion I think you came to. We're like, wow, we're really fucked. Like, we're really fucked. Like, not even government can save us. Like, this is a really well, bad situation to be in. So Connor has now broken Beth twice from the core beliefs of the EAC group that he says he leads. He first admitted that 
Nike doesn't actually support all technology racing ahead, always. And now, Connor has broken him again, Beth admitting that there are possible technologies so dangerous that they must be totally banned. And if not, they could quickly get to the point where a government can't even help, and we are totally fucked. This is not going well for Beth, as you're seeing, um, but it's going to start going a whole lot worse for EAC, whose leader has now admitted twice he doesn't really believe the shit he says he believes. So Connor has now been walking Beth around the yard for about 45 minutes, and Beth makes a move to take some control back. Um, this also does not go well. I think the idea behind Beth's first big question for Connor here is laughable that we need to accelerate at all costs because maybe aliens are coming and we need to have a better chance of beating the space-traveling aliens so we need to go full speed ahead on AI. This is like, what, bruh? I mean, you're leading this conversation. Here's, here's a, a similar sort of question for you. Mm -hmm. What if there were very advanced aliens that have very advanced technology that are kind of scouting the earth right now, um, you know, completely hypothetical scenario, would you feel a sense of urgency towards accelerating our technological progress to ensure, the, ensure that we become formidable enough to uh, sort of defend ourselves? I mean, there are analogies with AI, some people compare it to an alien force invading us. And so do you feel like don't you feel there is a sense of urgency to make humans more formidable in order to ensure our, our, our safety against the unknown, right? Like, could also be, you know, I mean, at some point we're going to oscillate out of the galactic plane and there's going to be more asteroids. We need much more control of the rocks that are getting hurtled our way. So we have a responsibility to scale up our space exploration technologies to, for survival. But wouldn't, wouldn't you feel that urgency and wouldn't you be kind of more open-minded towards taking a bit more risks, AKA like just venturing into the unknown to, to seek upside because, you know, you could get uh, uh, disrupted otherwise, right? I, I think we're, I think that's why you founded your company. You're trying to make humans more formidable by solving alignment. I think that's what people, well, some people solving alignment are trying to do, right? They're trying to mm -hmm. augment humans to make them, you know, more formidable, which I'm totally for. Right. That that's like I think we should we should uh, seek that path. Um, but I think that um, well, we're we're getting into AI now. But to to me, I think all paths will will be like explored. I think there's going to be sort of aligned AIs that are extensions to humans. There could be like totally independent AIs, and then there's going to be like full luddites that <laughs> don't want any technology. And you're going to have all three, and you know all bets are off at that point. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, I definitely don't disagree with you that risk taking is necessary and important. And you're also correct that if you're under threat, it might be sensible to increase your risk tolerance budget. But this isn't an either or. So I, I agree with you on an emotional level that, yeah, if like there was aliens threatening humanity or whatever, I would be like, well, we should take some more risk with nukes. But it doesn't mean I think we should take arbitrary risks with nukes. Because no, a lot of, at some point, it wraps back around to being embarrassing. There is like a glorious, you know, we tried and we failed. There's also a really embarrassing, we took all the safeties off the nukes and they exploded in, in our Air Force bases. And my claim is, is that the current state of AI safety in EAC is firmly in the, our nukes exploded while still in our Air Force bases. Our nukes exploded? Has like, like we didn't even take off. We didn't even get the nukes into space. We, we like, they blow up on our airfield. We didn't even get them into space. Like, we were ready to have the heroic standing against the aliens. We didn't even get them off the planet. This Wait, is where I has think something happened in AI where it's been that catastrophic so far. Not or? yet, but your my prediction is is that if we just don't even try, if we just accelerate as fast as possible, that's what happens. It's not heroic. It's not epic. It's just we make stronger and stronger systems that we understand less and less and less. We get more and more confused. Things accelerate more and more and more and then one day we wake up with you know our finger up our ass and we have no more control Beth and his suicide cult view themselves as epic and heroic 
They are the brave, cool guy optimists fighting back against those loser doomers. What total bullshit. Here, Beth starts out with what seems like a reasonable justification for the EAC perspective, and then Connor destroys him. I think with AI, there's a lot of upside to accelerating, right? And there's lives that could be saved, and that has to be priced into the the risk calculations, right? The longer we mm -hmm. wait to develop technologies, you know, there's all sorts of biotech, material science. There's there's a lot of upside we are leaving on the table, and having a model where we only look at the tail event, uh, like tail probabilities of, of extreme downsides, is is very biased in terms of our our sort of uh, cost benefit. Uh, oh, I agree. And, if I was, and, if it was only tail risks, I would agree with you. I just don't think they're tail risks. Okay. Well, we could we could we could dig into that. Um, but I'm I'm it. just not. I am not convinced that there's this sort of um, fast takeoff threshold. I'm not convinced that uh, we can't achieve a sort of multipartite uh, adversarial equilibrium by making sure capabilities, you know, multiple multiple parties have access to to advanced capabilities and keep each other in check. Um, anyways, we we can get into mm -hmm. it. I don't know where you want to take this. Yeah, um, I mean. My, my simple question is, well, you have a bunch of AGIs competing. Why would the one mm -hmm. that makes that spends its resources giving humans a good life win and not the one which is maximizing its, you know, kill all the other people in AI's potential? Why doesn't that one win? Well, I mean, you can say that about companies or countries. I, I do say that about countries. companies and countries. <laughs> hey, it's our theme coming back. Beth doesn't care what happens to people. EAC is a movement of machines over people. That is their worldview. Next, Beth tells us that alignment is actually easy because we have companies, you dummies. Alignment is, of course, easy. We have companies. And so I think we have ways to align sort of intelligences that are superhuman. Like, I mean, a, a company is a superhuman intelligence. It's a mixture of experts of humans with neural routing. It's technically smarter than any one human. I think so. We can have a debate about that. But we, we have ways to align these these superorganisms of, of, of uh, beyond human intellect and, and through sort of economic uh, exchange, right? And I think that um, the future looks like we have AIs that are aligned or extensions of humans, right? And then we have AIs that are more autonomous and there's economic exchange between both and that. Oh yeah, for sure. AGI will be super interested in economic exchange with us humans. It'll just be like an old fashioned farmer's market. They'll love to buy our home baked pies and cookies. Now, paging Dr. Leahy, our patient, Mr. Jesus is incoherent again and needs help. You contradicted yourself. You said it optimizes for growth. And you might notice that mm -hmm. growth and human happiness are two very, very different things. Sure. Well, so, I mean, you have, so you, ha you have your choice, right? Nowadays, you can live in Europe where you're going to maximize your happiness, have your espresso, chill a bit, have a two-hour lunch. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Or you can Not live in America where it... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> might as well lean into it. But... Uh, it, it, or you can live in America where it's like it's all in on growth, right? And I think that, um, you know, you, ha you have those two options. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing about uh, the world right now. We don't have a monoculture. We don't have a single way of doing things. We don't have a single way yes, to legislate things. That's your global, model. And we can A-B test things yes. locally, right? Sure. But in your yeah. model, America will eat Europe. It will destroy Europe. It will grow more. The system will succeed. And these people in America are less happy by your own admission. So what will happen is, is that on average, people will be worse off. All right, people, say it with me now. EAC and Beffrey don't care about people. Is this becoming clear? EAC is an anti-human movement. It is not optimistic. It is not brave. It's anti-human. And at the core of it is the growth at all costs perspective. To Beth, humans don't matter. Companies are nature. Nature is fire. Fire is growth. Growth 
at all costs. And as Connor will now show, this is, once again, anti-human. Is is not ought. So I agree with you that there are that our values are not some global, you know, coherent maxima of any growth utility function. And my answer to that question is, who the fuck cares? They're mine. I like them. I like happiness. I like puppies. I like people being happy, playing with their kids, and so on. And yes, this costs resources that I could be spending on maximizing my, my you know, economic growth function in the local supercluster. And my answer to that question is. I, why should I care? Is this not ought? Yeah, I, I do think like happiness evolved as a sort of proxy of like your estimator of your, your, your gradient of likelihood of future growth or higher mutual information with the future. Like if you, if you have a positive impact on the world, you feel good. If you're, you know, let's say have a significant other and, and, and feel like you're going to have a, a legacy, you naturally feel good and your brain like secretes all sorts of feel good hormones. So I, I do think they're just, um, you know, our neurochemistry evolved as sort of proxy loss functions for, for certain uh, uh, effects. Dude, are you serious? Human happiness, the entirety of human happiness is just a proxy for growth? You go all the way. If you optimize for something, you lose everything which is not the thing you're optimizing for. We got lucky. We got lucky that, for example, torturing people, you know, to work 24 hours a day doesn't work because they fall apart eventually. But this is no longer true when you have robots. If you have robots that can work for 24 hours, there is no reason to give them time off. There is no reason for them to have mm -hmm. hobbies. There is no reason for them to spend time with their kids and love them. There is no reason for this. We got lucky that we ourselves have so many limitations that eventually you have to compromise because otherwise we can't function. But if you take the mm -hmm. techno-capital acceleration to its logical conclusion, the logical conclusion is not, wow, we have more housing. The logical conclusion is there is no more human, just a bunch of mindless automata optimizing some growth function. This next clip is important. Beth really wants his candy and toys, but Daddy Connor has to tell Beffrey that he can't have them just yet because if we race, we're all going to die. You know, let's say you legit... You, you legislate Europe the way the way you want it, or or half the Earth doesn't matter which half. I don't know. And then we have the accelerationist half. We play the movie out, right? We play the movie out. Yes. I think I think that the the accelerationist half is gonna outgrow and yes, and we both die over. in this scenario. Both you and me will be dead. I don't know about that one. I, yes. I, I would need more yes. evidence. You agree that, that eventually we will build technology that's so powerful that we could blow up anything. And in your model of the of accelerationist world, we build it as fast as possible with as little safety mechanisms as possible and everyone has access to it. What happens then? No, we don't seek, we don't seek out. No, but it happens accidentally. Actively... No, you accidentally, you just accidentally. No, but you, we have a model, right? Like that, okay, if Do we you? reach this state. You, can you predict ahead of time what technology will be safe or not? Can you predict ahead of time how powerful- We can't guarantee be? safety, but we can't yes, guarantee- Yes, we can't, but we can do better than not even trying. But we can also, it, I think, guaranteed to shoot ourselves in the foot in terms of like the upside we're leaving on the table uh, is almost, it, it's just as bad. Like That is their whole case. The upside is worth the risk. But now, back to our theme. According to your model, like the world should have ended when we discovered nuclear bombs, which... And it almost it did twice. Like, like, you're, like, my model says is that there's, you know, some percentage but, chance that, yes, if you have dysfunctional institutions with dysfunctional leaders and a dysfunctional civilization with access to massive weapons, mass destruction, yes, they probably will get used and probably there will be sh close calls. We dropped a nuke on South Carolina accidentally. It's still there. It's in the swamp. It's funny. still there. And it was pure luck that the, the, it was actually armed. The nuke was armed. And we got so lucky then that what? it just I happened, mean, it misfired. If a city would have been blown up. It, it would, the, the world would not have ended, actually. So Yes. Did you hear that clearly? The guy who wants to accelerate AI at all costs says, who cares if a nuclear bomb goes off in South Carolina? We'll get over it. That's just the cost of technological growth. This is from the maker of Who Cares About Lead Poisoning. 
What? Yes, sure. The world has never ended in the past. This is true until it's not. Like, this isn't an argument. Mm, I don't know. It's a data. It's like a. a yes, a and the data is we got really damn close many times, even with the shitty, you know, pseudo apocalypse tech that we have now. I agree that our current nukes are not existential yet, but they're as close as we've gotten. And even with those, we've had a bunch of accidents in the like measly 70 years we've had these. I, I just don't. I just don't agree with your model that like we're gonna have AI pass us through. Like, can we like we're we're down like fifty analogies deep at this point? Can we just talk about AI at this point? Because instead of like drawing analogies to a bunch of other technologies that aren't quite uh, the same game theory. Next, Connor corners Beth in the cage he's been building around him for more than an hour now. Not wow! Every single human level intelligence kills you instantly, and there's no way back. Quite the opposite. If I believed that, I would go live in Hawaii with my family and just live out my final days. I think it is completely possible to build AI systems that have all the upsides you want, all the great things you and other EACs envision. I like the aesthetic. There's a lot of nice things to like there. There's so let's build of... it. Yes, and that's going to take a hundred years, and us not blowing ourselves up along the way. It's not we don't that have easy. hundred years. Yes, yeah. that's my no, point. That's why I'm a doomer. You're no, a doomer no, but too. Like, no, it... In this, no, in the sense that, like, if if a subsystem of uh, the civilization decides to go slower, another subsystem yes, will want to go faster. Yes. And it's just like, not stable. And, and then the only point. way to stabilize that is to have a top-down monopoly on power yes. and, and, and on AI that sort of enforces this, this, this uh, equilibrium in a top-down fashion and that that i think is a bad trade and i wouldn't Great. i don't want to take it right Great. and that's where so, we, yeah congratulations as lord of the doomer you know honor society i bestow upon you the rank of doomer you are now yeah. become a doomer you are a doomer <laughs> you are a doomer because you believe that both that we are basically fucked you you may not explicitly formulate no. it that way but no no look you think both that if technology is this dangerous, as I say it is, then, and if, if we tried to develop it this safely, it wouldn't work because someone else would do it much faster. And the mm -hmm. only way to stop that is through monopolies, and that's not an option. This is also basically No, no, there's a, there's a third path, which is the one we want to take with EAC, but, but go on. And what is the third path? No, the third path is, you know, we want to have a, a decentralized control of, of, of AI, right? Like if every company, if every individual can have access to AI and compute, you end up in this sort of adversarial equilibrium where um, uh, people, companies, uh, smaller governments are more formidable and are not to be fucked with. Um, and that's, a, you know, it's kind of a peer-to-peer -peer enforced equilibrium instead of a top-down. So AI enforced. mercenaries. Sure. Yeah, I think I no. So so I mean, in our current system, right? We we're talking about lawsuits and lawfare, right? A LLMs are going to be, you know, our superpowered lawyers, yes. and whoever has more capable LLMs is going to win lawsuits and going to be able to enforce their will on others. Wow, cool. That sounds like a great world. AI lawyers suing everything that moves twenty four seven. Remember that in Beth's brain, companies are nature, nature is fire, and people don't matter. The world isn't a B2B SaaS app. Politics and war are not the same as VC. I don't know how to explain this to you, man. Next, we shift to the open source debate. Should AI companies make their models open sourced and available to anyone, including foreign adversaries and bad actors, or closed source, where innovation could be slower than with open source, and the big companies and governments could use closed source to gather power? Watch Beth evade the question. I I'm going to cut out his blather in the edits in this section. It's a waste of our time. Um, but Connor refuses to let him off the hook right here. Um, Do you think but... the blueprint for the F-16 should be uh, open source so more people can develop fighter planes for US? So, so this is why I'm interested in digging because there's, a, there's been this sort of- Again, I'm asking you a question. How would they-, how would they I'm asking the you a question. Should the F-16 fighter plane blueprints be open sourced? Do you think this would lead to a better or a worse world? I think there is a lot of someone who's been 
espionaged by foreign adversary or or, or spied on um at, you know unfortunately i think big tech uh is very like uh leaky and insecure okay. and so so do you think the f16 being open source would be net good or net bad um i don't know i think it would reduce the you know uh revenue of certain companies but uh i mean the the, the chinese and the russians probably have their hands on the again i'm asking you for the whole world you know whether or not the chinese already have it or not would releasing all of our secret you know engineering documents of all an f16 is a force for destruction it's not a force for positive econo economic utility you're in your drawing these comparisons all day i am i'm trying i'm not trying to make negative. a comparison this is not a metaphor you are, I, but you're you're just I, lost in analogies not... and analogies and analogies let's talk about ai directly right you're just trying to like... answer the question Yes or no? Is it good or bad? If it's if it's not open source, I mean, there should be more open source uh, plane designs because I think it would Answer yield the more question. engineers yes being trained. No. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to explain maybe not the F-16, but the next you know maybe some other planes. If you had more people that were trained and could self-educate about you know defense tech, we'd have a better talent pipeline, and maybe we wouldn't have. Uh, you know, as many problems because we'd have a better uh, defense industrial base, right? And so maybe it'd be good to have some open source, right, as a, as a pipeline for training people. Okay, right? but should the F-16 be open sourced or not? Specifically, maybe not, yes. no. Sure. Okay, okay, That's my, that was my question. All right, Beth, um, that runaround was not really necessary, dude. Uh, okay, here is a Beth Jezos greatest hit, a little tune called Humans Are Fire from his album, Seek and destroy. Oh, the EAC thesis is to seek whatever policy configuration of configurations of of of, of the way we do things uh, that maximize our ability to to seek out free energy and utilize it towards further growth and growth as measured by our acquisition and consumption of free energy. Next, Beth presents a really cool future. You can go live with him in his tech bras, or you can go just live in the woods. You align yourself to civilization, you get rewarded. Or you could go live in the woods and 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 go full Ted K, and you're you're free to do that. And 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 let's see how the movie plays out, right? The subcultures that organize and live as part of civilization and 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 utilize technology in a clever way, they grow. The people that become luddites, they either become stagnant or sure. die, right? Sure. And so it's, it's like, like it's your choice. As I like but to say, people should have the freedom of choice for sure. Sure. Oh wow! Thank you so much for that freedom. Um. After you've non-consensually radically altered the world and life as we know it, if we survive, those who don't like advanced AI world can have the freedom to move to the woods and be Luddites? Um, yeah, fuck that. Um, that is not freedom. That is not a choice. Those are not the only two fucking options. Throughout the debate, Beth is always trying to talk about how things are, and Connor is always trying to get him to talk about how he thinks things ought to be. Okay, but again, what do you think, what do you, Gim, what do you think we should do? Do. What should we do? Yes. Um, well, I try to enact my values, right? I mean, I work. What are your on... values? I'm trying to figure out what your values are, is what we're trying to find out. You I'm trying to scale about... civilization. And there we have it. Beth and Iak are trying to save civilization. I have no words for that. Uh, the civilization this guy cares about is not our civilization. It is not a human civilization. This debate went on for a while more, and there was even a bit more agreement around distrust of creating power centralizing institutions. But Beth kept at it using more and more obtuse words as he went. Here is a nice sort of grand finale, the fourth quarter finish, if you will, Beth and his big words and bad ideas versus Connor's searing light of reason and required caution, the final end to a game that was never close. If we make sure that there's power equilibration, right? Everybody have have access to to AI power proportional, let's say, to their access to capital, and we don't create sort of these weird 
dynamics where you, you achieve regulatory capture, or you subvert uh, the low, lower levels of the hierarchy, as long as we maintain sort of a uh, uh, not too high of a power gradient at any point in society, I think the system will adiabatically adapt to constant rollouts of new technologies. That's OpenAI's thesis, right? That constant rollout of cutting edge capabilities and them being incorporated is the most ethical uh, way forward, right? And yeah, so, and they're they're wrong and they're gonna okay, kill us. Okay, that's interesting. Well, like, it's not that hard. Like, it's not like, I don't, like, there's two, there's, there's a meta point and there's the concrete point. The concrete point is this like, lol obviously this is bullshit. The meta point is just like, why do I care what you have to say? You've literally admitted that you don't have a plan and you don't know when you will have a plan. Why, or if why you do ever we need, need a plan? plan? I think this because... just, if you, if you have an adaptive, it's like, it's like saying I'm, I'm launching a rocket. I'm not going to chart out all the values of the optimal controls at this stage. I'm going to adapt it according to sensors. Yes, but you and... have a flight path. You have a rough idea. You have an extremely precise idea when you shoot a rocket into space where it's going to go. Have you seen those fly paths and how? No, but there, there's like fine-tuning. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, Look, if you and me were disagreeing about the fine-tuning, it's like should the compute cap be at ten to the twenty-five or ten to twenty-four? No, I, Great. But, then we could talk. But we're not talking again, about again. There, there you have a dictation. very sharp prior from the laws of Newtonian mechanics of like where the trajectory will go, and I, I think we disagree on whether we can. Uh, predict uh, sufficient parameters yes. and of if the we can't predict, machine to optimally yes. control it. Sure. Top and down. if we can't predict an extremely high energetic, extremely dangerous, weird system, you shouldn't predict things are good unless you have a very sharp prior for why things are good. This is possible, but by default, I, you don't get nice things. Most, most of the universe is cold and dead and lifeless. There is an ex D observing life is extremely weird. This is an extremely well, well, so, so, anomalous situation. So, so yeah, well, but that's the thing. EAC is based on the physics that underlies life. And the point is that we think that the, the thing we can predict is that the system is going to adapt to whatever. But life can also just die. Like life can just end. Like mm -hmm. life isn't fair. A meteorite can just hit the planet that's big enough. And then that's just it. Mm. I mean, it did, and then we bounced back better than if ever. If it was big enough to just liquefy the planet, it would just be over. And that is it, folks. Wow. Uh, the final score of AI Risk Super Bowl One. I have as Connor Leahy, 37, Beffrey Jezos, 13. What a blowout. Beff Nation, embarrassed. Okay. Hey, it is 2024. And if you watch this show, you know we end every show with a celebration of life, something that makes us happy to be alive. Got a really fun one for you today. Uh, so about 15 years ago, um, I started my video production company, and we had a group of first employees that were just absolutely fantastic. Um, we really, really just love them. Um, we still work with them, many of them on a freelance basis, and they are our dear friends off doing great things in the world. But... Back at that time, they were just out of college, working at a creative video agency and making commercials for clients. And one day messing around, they just made a thing of absolute beauty. It is 15 seconds long. It was made in 2017. Here are my dear friends, Louie and Steve, in this Sears air conditioning commercial that should have been the talk of some Super Bowl. Cannot live another day without air Says tomorrow's gonna be hotter. Hotter? Like yesterday. Yesterday? Yesterday you said you call Sears. I'll call today. You call now. I'll call now. Now's the time to save on Sears installed central air conditioning. Okay, even if you don't know those dudes the way I do, I hope you felt that was just magic. Um, let's celebrate being silly and human all damn year. Uh, all right, back to serious stuff. Um, have you been writing letters to your elected leaders like we've been talking about for a couple of weeks? Please email me at forhumanitypodcast at gmail.com and let me know how it's going. I want to know what you're hearing, any reflections you have, anything that can make all of us better at this process. All right. So last of all, next week's show. Oh, wow. Um, I am really a bit at a loss for words here. Something unexpected happened during that recording. It was wild. Um, our guest next week is Timothy Lee, a writer who runs the website understandingai.org. 
He has a master's in computer science from Princeton and believes that AI is not a threat to humans in any way. Tim and I did not see eye to eye, as you might imagine, but I was expecting that. I was not expecting, however, our conversation to go the way it did. I will leave it at that for now. You got to see it. Um, for Humanity, I'm John Sherman. Do not miss next week's show.